Welcome to Here's to the Future, a podcast series by Stripe in which we invite artists and thinkers from the Stripe network to share their thoughts about our future. Today we meet with artist Hakeem Adam, a Ghanaian digital artist in learning and freelance arts and culture writer. Exploring the power of narrative transmitted through various creative outlets including poetry, creative writing, photography, video art and sound design. He has contributed to the archive of African culture as a freelance writer and is the founder and creative director of Dundeno, a digital pan-African cultural platform for African film and music criticism and documentation. Welcome Hakeem, so nice to meet you in person today. I'm very much looking forward to your contribution for Strike Festival 2023, for which you are developing a project with help of the X Awards, the award for creative technology that Strike grants once a year uh, to stimulate the production of new artworks. But before we dive deeper into your plans for the festival, I'm very curious to know what led you to your current practice as an artist and a writer? <laughs> what led me? Um, I guess the main thing was that I have always been like very interested in telling stories. Um, I didn't always have this conception of um, making artwork as like a thing, you know. I, I have always just had like things that I wanted to make that I felt I could do, but never really had like the technical skill, I guess. Um, so I started with what I could do best, which was like writing, because, you know, the barrier for MP is super low, although you still have to improve a lot um, to be good at writing. And then like I got seduced by digital <laughs> technology, <laughs> like most young people do it. Like yeah. I got like really interested in like just the you know, the democratization of tech tools, you know, you can watch like a tutorial and like, you know, the, the wild idea you had with like just a few libraries and whatever software, you could like actualize it and make it work. Um, and I got like really energized by that idea that like, you know, at this current stage, anything is technically possible with the right amount of motivation and time. Um, so that's, I guess that's kind of how I landed in this space. I, I, I have felt the desire to tell stories and I, I just want to use technology because I feel like it's a natural thing to do, at least for me. Yeah. yeah. And where did that desire come from to tell stories? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to say. <laughs> no, it's a difficult question, but it's a good question. Um, that is, I, I really don't know, honestly. It's, it's, it, some, some part of it feels like something you should do. You know, I don't know. There's some things that, at least for me, I have the feeling that I should do them. Or like, I'm meant to do them in a certain way, in a really weird way. Um, Certain ideas, like, they just stick with me. Like, the idea for this festival or, like, previous work is, like, things that stay with me for so long that I feel the need to act on them. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. But it's, it's, it's a really difficult question to answer. Yeah, honestly. I can yeah. imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> it's just the urge, maybe, you feel to be. Yeah, I just, I, I get, it, it's a bit selfish in that regard because I, I um, like, I'm fulfilled so much by doing things for myself, you know. Like, I, I, I like the satisfaction of I had this idea and I was able to try it out at least and see if it worked. I and mean, it gives me great, like, motivation. So that's one of the really key things. It's like staying in this habit of encouraging yourself to pursue the things that you thought you couldn't do or, like, you felt you could do but were never confident enough to actually try out. You know? Yeah, interesting. And, um, yeah, we already mentioned it before, but you will be participating at Stripe Festival 23. And um, what will you bring to the festival? Um, I'm bringing like a... <laughs> interesting. Uh, I'm bringing a, a kind of piece that revolves around um, like oral knowledge. Over the past few years, I've been doing research into oral knowledge um, as this kind of um, like knowledge that exists in interaction with sound, kind of like similar to what we're doing right now, you know, like mm -hmm. it's purely through the 
the context of conversation that these kind of questions and these responses can arrive, you know. So for the festival, I'm bringing a kind of um, interactive artwork that centers around um, oral knowledge or like the the position in communication that can happen in oral knowledge, but tying it into like a digital interface that like the the listener can participate with. And for me, the main thing is like um, by kind of disrupting disrupting the the hierarchies or like the the different levels that exist in listening. You know, I have these ideas of like you know even with like something like a MP3 player or like Spotify or like your phone. There are these different hierarchies of design principles that nudge you towards certain behaviors you know it's like you put it on shuffle and you forget about it or like mm-hmm. you know or you can put the the voice note on like double speed and like it becomes yeah. <laughs> something yeah. else you know um so i'm very interested in like you know how again the technology shapes the oral exchange or the yeah. exchange through sound um so this kind of way kind of um it revolves around those pressures and doing little experiments and then building up these little tiny stories that connect the research also to my thematic passion, which is um, to do things that revolve around healing. You know, so for me, it's kind of um, in making this work and reflecting on oral knowledge. It's kind of a way of also repairing my relationship to oral knowledge, or like thinking about repairing other relationships to oral knowledge, and considering more that oh, okay, something that you can purely hear can be as impactful as something that you read, or like a sculpture that you see, or like a painting that you see. You know. You already mentioned it before, and we already spoke uh, a little bit about the project before this um, uh, podcast recording. Um, you are interested in um, rituals mm-hmm. and healing, and I'm, I'm curious why. Why do you think that? Why does the well, dream for so like, I just haven't found what works for me. You know that for me that's that's the thing. Like, um, like art working is very healing for me. Honestly, mm-hmm. like throughout my life is been one of the most consistent things that gets me through a lot of things, you know, so I, I feel this kind of power and being able to, like, participate in it. Um, and, like, most other things, you know, like, taking painkillers, like, going on walks, or, like, you know, like, there are so many other avenues in which you can, like, repair your body or your mind or your emotions or whatever, but for me, making stuff has always been the one that's consistently always works, regardless of what situation it is, like, as if I make something, however naive it is, it's just, like, you know, it mm-hmm. gets me to feel better. So yeah. I, 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 I assume that, oh, this must be the same for other people, you know. Yeah. If you share this with them, then you could be like, yeah. oh, okay, you know, yeah. they could also, like... <laughs> I could experience um, a little bit of that healing. Yeah, too. they could experience that kind yeah. of healing. So that's the main thing. Um, it's a bit selfish in that regard, but I, 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 I also kind of connected to, um, it, you know, the idea of how art exists in the traditional African context, you know. It's mm-hmm. not like... It's not made for the gallery. It's not made for the gaze, you know. That the art object or the art um, creation is meant to have a functional purpose in the society you know whether mm-hmm. it's like a object that you attach some spiritual power to or it's like something that you use in everyday life it becomes a part of your function you know yeah. whether it's pants plates clothing textiles you know anything that it's not it's kind of like design i guess in that way yeah you know, there's a there's an emphasis on aesthetic, you know, it's not always to solve a problem, you know, it's not choosing the most efficient solution, but it's making these ornate things that you can attach some meaning to them and use them in your everyday life, you know, and of course it could be healing, it could be practical, it could be spiritual, you know, so that's how I kind of connect it. I don't know if this is true, but like, you know, yeah. that, that's just how I think about it, that like, yeah, the, I come from this tradition of people making stuff just for making sake, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I also like want to continue in that tradition, but at the same time, I want it to work for me because I, then it's just a, just a pursuit, but I want it to be something that I can actually benefit from and like yeah. hopefully share that 
journey of my benefits with making mm. stuff for other people. Yeah, yeah because now you're uh, living in Bremen, Germany, because you studied there at the University of Arts. But before uh, in Ghana, did you work as an artist already? Yeah, I did. Um, so I started, I started like very young as a writer. I like wrote a lot of poems that went into like newspapers and stuff from like as a teenager. Um, and then like worked on, I didn't remember I did this, but I also did like plays, like writing scripts um, for different experimental plays and stuff like that very, very early on. Um, so I, and I've always been surrounded by the scene. I, I worked at a festival in Ghana, producing one of the biggest fest, street art festivals in West Africa. Um, I worked there for a few years, so I've always been around people making stuff. And so, you know, it's just energizing, as you probably like admit, to, to just hear people, you know, I made this. Okay, wow, yeah. I can also do this, you know. Yeah. So, um, so my time in Ghana from like, I don't know, from like 18 to like 25-ish, I was always around artists, you know, mm-hmm. like doing shows or like doing experiments. Um, so, yeah, I was very much in, in, involved in like creative activities there and like, also, maybe this is just an aside, but like Ghana is also a very like energizing place to be creatively. You know, there's a lot of like there's a lot of opportunities <laughs> you know, yeah. that you can like. Oh, this is so interesting, you know. So it's it's also like maybe being in that space like also enriched that yeah. thought, and you know, and it was also just around the time where like um, there was renewed interest in African arts globally, and like a lot of you know pe- people were like paying attention to what was happening. So there was just this energy of like oh, you know, like. Your dreams are valid in a yeah. Disney sense, I guess. <laughs> and are you plan- planning on going back to? Yes, I hope. Um, for me, that's always the ideal audience. You know, mm-hmm. like I, aside making stuff for myself, I want to make stuff from like my childhood friends who like we share these kind of the, the formative experiences that shape the things I want to hear from or the things I want to reflect from. We share those things together. So for me, that's always the primary like the people I want to impact, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you would like put impact in their yeah. quotes, like those are the people that I want to like get in touch with. And like I said, there's also, um, there's also like unfinished stuff, I guess, you know, there's like things I was thinking about that, you know, now with like the things I know and the experience of being in Europe, like would be, it would be much cooler to like, you know, be actually um, expand on some of those ideas I have. So yeah, for yeah. sure I want to. Cool. Earlier you said you focus on the hierarchy of listening mm-hmm. and um, what does this practically mean mm-hmm. for you as, a, yeah. uh, as uh, when you are listening? Yeah. What, it, what is the um, hierarchy for that? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, I, for me, I, I conceptualize this as some kind of, um, you know, like we are in this kind of like relationship of sharing some knowledge, you know, and we have to be cognizant of the fact that like, depending on how we participate in this exchange, you could, you know, Put yourself in some position you could either be like you know be like oh, okay i don't really you know you could be dismissive of what someone is saying or you could be actually listening or you could just be hearing it you know there are all these different you know conscious decisions that you can make you know and some of them also in con- unconscious you know like if you're in a church and someone is preaching to you you know you, you can listen to that but you can't participate in certain ways or if you're like in a podcast and you're listening to the podcast you know you can listen to it but so you can't like leave a comment you can't like mm-hmm. you know so i feel like just in the sphere of oral communication, there are, and I mean, some of them are quite um, transparent and you can see through them. Some of them are also very opaque and like, you know, with platforms like, um, I don't know, like Discord or Reddit or um, mm-hmm. YouTube, which I also like sometimes centered around like sound and like, you know, voice chat and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So there are all these like, I, sorry, a great example is, um, what's it called? Clubhouse. Yeah. You know, all yeah, like, yeah. Well, what's, 
Twitter does at the moment with what's it called there spaces right yeah, yeah so you can have a select number of people who are like listeners and mm. people who are like you know participants but it's like a public forum yeah you know so again there is this you know and, and for whatever reasons those things are important or not important you know yeah. whether you want to like maintain a specific tone or you want to like steer the conversation in a certain regard but there's always this you know critical index of power mm. which we don't always reflect on you know and with this with, with the idea of the theme i really want to at least give that idea some reference because i'm someone I claim I'm engaged in oral research and I'm like I'm doing experiments with sounds, but a key part of that work is like listening and how people receive the work. So I really wanted to like, you know, think about the, the criticalities of listening. So it was like perfect, yeah. <laughs> perfect time, perfect thing yeah. to think about and reflect on. Um, I, 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 I'm still not quite sure. I mean, a lot of the ideas I have could be purely conjectural, like just my own inclinations, but I just feel that at least it's worth, you know, designing sound with the intention of you know the listening experience is at least variable in some regard or the listening experience has some um like some tension in the regards of the power of you know the participants is positioned yeah. yeah yeah and if we look to the future i think the process of listening is, has changed a lot about, yeah. uh, the, the the past years um what do you think for our future what what does listening how does oh, it look like i think you know it's like i at, at the risk of sounding like a like a luddite or like I, I don't know, but I, I feel like um, there there's starting to be a drift towards more like individualized, specialized. You know, we're starting to like value more the more intimate like listening experience. You know, no one, not so many people are thrilled about like hundred thousand venue. You know, listening people want more of like an intimate more connected experience, you know, with listening um, on a broader scale, you know, whether it's like people deciding to curate what they hear on Spotify or like on YouTube, you know, that I think both platforms and consumers are slowly gearing towards more, you know, personalization, not like before you just turn on the radio and what's on the radio is on the radio, yeah. like, or what's on MTV or what's on MTV and you just like fall into that kind of um, thing. So I think we're, we're, we're already like headed towards that kind of like, you know, the value of curation as, yeah whether you, you think about positively or negatively is becoming stronger in regards to what we hear. And, and that has like wide implications for sound makers in general. You know, um, like I was talking to someone some weeks ago about like, um, I keep saying Spotify, I, I don't want to like harp on them, but like, you know, um, in 2017, Spotify moved to Africa, basically, and like started to have like this huge push, you know, and like one huge thing about Spotify is discoverability, you know, and like, what content they decide to show to who that decides you know what people decide to listen to and what shapes the imagination of people now thinking of making sound you know so that's yeah. a a super critical thing to think about you know the power that spotify has to decide that okay the global sound for 2023 is this mm -hmm. you know and yeah. for whatever reason it's going to be that you know yeah. and if your sound or your your vision or your podcast exists outside of what spotify is is prioritizing you know, then it's a yeah. problem. So that's why I feel like, you know, there we are moving towards a, this critical point where like, you know, we everyone wants, you know, the algorithm to know me or you want more personalized, you want you want things that you enjoy, you know, you mm -hmm. want to see your echo chamber, you know. But for the wider like everyone around us, I think it's quite I don't want to say dangerous, but <laughs> I have reservations about it because I don't know how how good this is. I mean, you could argue that this could be extended to all kinds of media and like with TV was like that or radio was like that, but you know, what we are learning is that digital communities are more like enclosed, you know, mm -hmm. and it's very easy for people to fall into like these echo chambers versus other forms of media where you have like a bit more choice. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think like 
and I have to say, I'm excited about the technology. Like, I love, I, I love the fact that, like, you know, Spotify can have like such powerful AI or like whatever to um, recommend personalized stuff or Facebook or um, YouTube or whoever is like distributing sound. They have like the tools, to, and I think that's powerful. What I think would be great is if um, not corporate interest dictated those. Um, the decisions of those algorithms, but more like, you know, someone like me, or you could just download it and like, oh, okay, I want my Spotify to work for me. Yeah. You know, that would just be so cool. You yeah. know, if you could have the actual tool and then it would be showing you like, if you wanted only obscure 80s music, that's yeah. all you would see. Yeah. It wouldn't matter which region you're in, like which audience they are trying to push, which like major label is paying right. for placements on what, um, you know, um, playlists, all mm. of that wouldn't matter, you know, because you have the, knowledge of how recommendation algorithms work and yeah. based on your data you can make that decision yeah. but it's not like that at the moment um no and it's also maybe a, a privacy discussion as well yeah so uh, i think we're not far away from that scenario but we have a lot of obstacles to overcome yeah maybe. yeah definitely and i think um at least i i i, I mean I'm, I'm i'm such a fan of technology so <laughs> i i just i can see it to the point where like yeah like this problem will eventually equalize but at the moment to be honest it's quite um like the, the, the hierarchies in listening, you know, if you think about it very, very broadly, it's quite terrifying. Like it's it's probably, it's not as open as you think it, it is. We, you know, if, if like, for example, I, I wanted to find out about local Dutch musicians, like that's very hard to do. You know, mm. if, if my data is not like suited towards that, I could type like alternative Dutch music into YouTube and it would just tell me like, you know, something super specific it wouldn't maybe be relevant to what i want to do and it would take like much more efforts to train youtube to be like ah, i want like this specific thing you know yeah. and so i'm just like i'm hopeful that yeah maybe in two years three years five years we'll get to that point where like yeah it wouldn't be so scary to deal with you know what what technology is doing to our listening habits yeah mm-hmm. a long answer but <laughs> no it's interesting i like it and uh I, I i i agree with you i think that would be nice especially when we find a way to Trust the technology yeah. with our personal data. Sure. You listen to Here's to the Future, a podcast by Stripe, an Eindhoven-based organization that wants to set up an open dialogue with the public, artists, designers, media makers, and thinkers about the relationship between people, experimental technology, society, and the future.